and the eyes of truth are always watching you. Amina Loza, Ail Pravda Zali Setsa Nesminu, Enlightenment Radio, Rupo Vso Musvidu, Zed Vami 24 Godini Musiki, Prami Translacy Talmishtasni Pied Devisan Harista Pied Kas Mishtagnoi Podrozi, Tokakom. she said, but this is Enlightenment Radio. I know that much. We're on at 11 o'clock USA time. This is your host, Mystic Guide. Somewhere in the Ukraine you can hear me. I think it's uh, six, 6 o'clock there. Your rush hour. Russia's having a rush hour, too. Did you know 500,000 Russians are evacuating Crimea? Where's the news on that? You don't hear it over here. So I bring you the news that you don't get in the USA because they're not paying attention. I've got something that if the world knew happened, this child trafficking thing is a major deal. Putin is the biggest terrorist in the world. That's a fact. They won't, Hamas is getting all the, uh, all the coverage right now. That's all they're talking about. There'll always be a Hamas. There'll always be an enemy of Israel. There'll always be until the Lord returns. And these people aren't Israelites, but they're Israelites, but they're not the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're not the seed. They're not Jews. Wait, I'm going to get in trouble for that. I can prove it, though. They can't prove it. There is no relationship between Benjamin Netanyahu and Woody Allen. There's no relationship between Barbara Streisand and Golda Meir. There is no connection. I don't know how they get away with this, but that's not my topic for today. I'm into the Ukraine. I'm here to give you the news. I'm telling you, the Ukraine army has some very strategic generals that know what they're doing. They're getting intel from France and Great Britain now, and they just blew up a major ship. <laughs> they had sitting in the uh, port. They had never used it yet. It was brand new, and they blew it out of the water. <laughs> it was a strategic ship the Russians were preparing to carry missiles and weapons and armaments all over the place. Uh, hold on. And so I'm going to play, I don't know which order it is, but he's not telling the truth. Oh, <laughs> he's not telling the truth? <laughs> I think he's lying to himself. I think he gets up in a, I don't know if he sleeps anymore. He, he looks in a mirror and he tells himself, I'm winning this war. We're kicking our butts. We're going to take Ukraine any day now. Well, that's been for, what, over a year? 
Here's our first news. Pardon me for being a little scatterbrained this morning. <laughs> oh, you mean I'm no different every morning? Okay, here we go. Welcome to The Journalist. The Russian army is currently in a state of complete collapse after the recent... That's what I just said. ...and the deep losses in Avdivka. Although the Kremlin has tried to hide its record losses, the situation has become so obvious that every soldier in the Russian army now knows that Moscow is leading them into an abyss. About this huge crisis in the Russian army, the United States has recently conducted a very critical study. The study focused in detail on the current state of the Russian army, the latest movement of surrender cases, and desertions within the army. The facts, which were not published due to the embargoes imposed by the Kremlin on Russian media sources, and which were tried to be covered up, have come to light thanks to the latest posts and assessments published by the US. The published figures also clearly reveal Russia's inner face in the Ukraine war. The reason why the Russian army has become like this surprises all those who hear it. How Kiev exploited the openings in Russian leader Vladimir Putin's army and how they turned the situation to their advantage is a new example in the history of world wars. In this process, Kiev, like Moscow, did not focus directly on media resources. Instead, the Kiev government was much more lenient than the Kremlin, even with Russians who did not want to fight. Over time, this led to major disintegration in the Russian army. Here is the unknown face of the war. The latest disasters within the Russian army have been proven by the latest critical and official update released by the United States. Lieutenant General Jonathan Braga, head of the US Army Special Operations Command, stated that Ukraine removed 17,000 Russians from the battlefield without firing a single shot. The main reason why Ukraine was able to ensure the desertion of such a large number of Russian soldiers without firing a single shot was characterized as a completely precise information operation. I want to repeat that. I want you to get the general's name and how many thousands of Russian soldiers just flat surrendered without them firing a shot. I hope I backed it up just right. Let's see what happens. But this general, he's better than anyone we have. And they put him in charge of all this. It's from the battlefield without firing a single shot. I'll go back a little bit more. Jonathan Braga. Jonathan Braga. Remember that name. Operations Command stated that Ukraine removed 17,000 Russians from the battlefield without firing a single shot. The main reason why Ukraine was able to ensure the desertion of such a large number of Russian soldiers without firing a single shot was characterized as a completely precise information operation. Lieutenant General Jonathan Braga underlined Ukraine's ability to exploit the low morale of the Russian army to conduct successful media campaigns. Ukraine's messaging efforts have therefore become an important tool in persuading thousands of Russian soldiers to leave their positions. Braga noted that through the active use of social media, the Ukrainian military and intelligence services obtained detailed information about Russian forces, equipment and personnel, which formed the basis for effective attacks against individual soldiers and weakened their morale. At the tactical level, it is an innate and traditional military activity to erode the will and morale of individual soldiers, to erode the overall capacity of the unit, to impose doubt in their minds, there are many examples of demoralization in the Russian army that could be exploited by Ukrainian operations, and the Kremlin is trying to eradicate this phenomenon. These include Russia's draconian measures, such as the Soviet practice during World War II, of
of executing soldiers who refuse to obey orders or retreat, among others. Ukraine is well aware of the soft underbelly of Russia. There are already many soldiers in the Russian army who are disillusioned with war and oppose Moscow. The inhumane sanctions imposed on these Russian soldiers have only exacerbated Ukraine's efforts in this regard. Russian soldiers, who did not want to die for nothing, either chose to surrender to the Ukrainian army or deserted from the battlefield. It is tragic for Moscow that the number of surrenders or desertions within the Russian army has reached 17,000. Ukraine, for its part, has carried out a remarkable series of information operations to expose Moscow's vulnerabilities even more as the Russian military continues to collapse. Whether persuading allies to send more weapons or mocking Russia's shortcomings on the battlefield, the Ukrainians have shown great skill in using information to their advantage. Russia, for its part, recognized this Ukrainian methodology, but it was too late and more and more Russian soldiers left the battlefield. But the Kremlin did not give up. The Kremlin sent directives to news organizations, instructing them to describe Ukraine's capabilities in a positive light in order to increase perceptions of the Russian army's success in repelling Kiev's forces. In this way, according to Russia's definition, even a single Ukrainian battlefield success against the West and the United States could be greatly exaggerated. But the situation did not turn out as the Kremlin had calculated. The Ukrainian army did not surrender in three days, as Russian leader Vladimir Putin said. In fact, the Ukrainian liar, liar, pants on fire. 300,000 Russian troops from the clashes. This is the worst wound the Russian army has suffered since the Second World War. As a result, faith in the war has collapsed within the Russian army. Russian citizens increased their anti-war protests against the Kremlin. It was at this point that Ukraine stepped in again and took the rebellious and anti-war soldiers in the Russian army into its orbit. To this end, Ukraine launched a surrender line called I Want to Live. Currently, the surrender hotline is receiving record numbers of calls and every day it is pulling more and more Russian soldiers out of the war and offering them a brand new life. Kiev has perhaps taken the biggest step forward with the surrender hotline. As part of the project, 21 operations to remove the surrendered soldiers have been completed. As a result of the operations, 216 Russian soldiers have surrendered in recent days under the I Want to Live project launched by the Ukrainian government, while 1,072 Russian soldiers are waiting for their turn to be safely transferred to the front line. In some cases, Russian soldiers also brought military equipment. It was also recently reported that more than 48 million people from Russia and the temporarily occupied territories of Ukraine visited the I Want to Live website. Following these visits, more than 25,000 applications were received from Russian soldiers who wanted to surrender to the I Want to Live project. The Russian government, on the other hand, was seriously alarmed by these figures and launched efforts to block Ukraine's striking policies. Roskomnadzor, Russia's telecom watchdog, blocked 256 domain names of the platform. Despite Russian efforts, the I Want to Live project continues to draw Russian soldiers away from the war. Following the successful implementation of Operation Sinitsia, which involved the defection of a Russian fighter pilot who flew his helicopter to Ukraine before surrendering, the number of applications from Russians continues to increase. Every day, the coordination headquarters says it receives dozens of applications through multiple channels from active servicemen in the Russian army and beyond. They emphasize 
that applying for the I Want to Live project is the only real opportunity for the Russian military to return home alive. In fact, when we look at the differences between the two armies, it is clear to see how Ukraine actually has the upper hand against a much better equipped army. Kiev's attitude towards its soldiers and its people is very different from Moscow's. To understand this difference more clearly, we can take a closer look at the recent actions taken by Ukrainian leader Volodymyr Zelensky. Volodymyr Zelensky visited Ukrainian artillery, missile and engineering forces soldiers, and congratulated them on their professional holiday. The Ukrainian leader honored the country's defenders with state awards and thanked the commanders. Zelensky also noted that every 500 meters, every kilometer overcome by the defenders, are new operational opportunities for the missiles of Kyiv and the Ukrainian army. Even if this is perhaps a very small detail, the fact that a head of state, despite the occupation of his country, does not give up the fight and is constantly in touch with his troops is a completely differentiating factor. Of course, in addition to cooperation and solidarity, Zelensky has continued to make mechanical and strategic innovations within his army. Most recently, the Ukrainian leader announced critical steps for Kiev's war strategy. Zelensky replaced the commander of the Special Operations Forces of the Armed Forces of Ukraine. The head of state mentioned the appointment of Colonel Serhiy Lopanchuk. Lopanchuk became the new commander of the Special Operations Forces of the Armed Forces of Ukraine. According to the President of Ukraine, Lopanchuk is an experienced combat officer, a good commander, and a person who can add more strength to the Special Operations Forces. The commander of the Special Operations Forces of Ukraine, General Viktor Horanko, will continue to hold special positions in the Military Intelligence Service of the Ministry of Defense. In addition to new decisions within the military, the Ukrainian leader also announced legislative reforms. Zelensky noted that he signed an important law on November 3rd. This law was about national communities. It also makes it possible to implement another criterion for European integration. The articles of the resolution contain important content on the implementation of the recommendations of the European Commission and the EU accession process. In short, Ukraine is adopting more optimistic and constructive policies on the battlefield, while the Russian leadership is hoping for a victory by forcibly sending its troops to the battlefield in a war that even it does not believe in. Ukraine's approach is based on patriotism and volunteerism, while Russia's policies are a bit more repressive and authoritarian. Of course, please decide in the comments whether such a strategy will work. Thank you for following us. So that's uh, a lot to take in, a lot to digest, especially in English language. We hopefully will be having Ukraine captions here shortly this week, maybe. And in any event, it sounds like they did 17,000 uh, abandoned. They just abandoned. Walked, they surrendered without firing a shot under that uh, General Sarkov, is his name? He's an American general, lieutenant general. Then you've got uh, a, like a contract or an agreement that Zelensky did to go around the U.N., in other words, you don't have to be in the U.N. to help Ukraine fight because they're not in the U.N. So it sounds like you're going to get some more backup coming pretty soon from a European country like Germany, France. I don't know. But 
Take heart. This is good news. They are sick of the war. I've seen the protests around the smaller towns and in Moscow. They're sick of this war. Only 11% of the population are for it. And he's running out of lies. He's running out of excuses, Dr. Evil. He's on, our, he's on your webpage, ukrainetheheartofhope.com. Dr. Evil and many me. Oh, behave. <laughs> he's a terrorist. He, do you know he is wanted by the Hague? He's wanted. Somebody could just go up and arrest him. He's wanted for war crimes. So under our banner on the website, culpable, every one of these leaders who does not uh, invite him over to their country and then throw him in jail is culpable. <laughs> I would laugh at that. would be the greatest happening. They don't have the cojones to do it. And he's, he, their country might be next. Poland. Who knows? I don't care if you're in the U.N. The U.N., if you listen to the child trafficking report yesterday, the U.N. is housing these children, and they're abusing them. And I don't want to get into any more details. There may be children listening. I don't want to scare the parents, but they're abusing the U.N. Men are abusing these children. They have uh, hostels next to the U.N. It's just sickening. So screw the U.N. The whole kit and caboodle is not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And Zelensky knows it. That's why he did an end run around them. And he's signing up these countries for some help. I don't know what it is or what it'll turn out. Here's another story. Not good for Russia. Keep listening. There's a lot of ammo here. Welcome to The Journalist. The war between Ukraine and Russia has radically changed the tactics of modern warfare. The Ukrainian army has turned its combat equipment into a game changer. Ukraine's innovative warfare practices stunned the Russian army and fascinated the armies of the world. From the beginning of the war, there were game changers such as the Javelin, Bayraktar TB2, Starstreak, M777 howitzers that marked certain phases. But the weapons that would summarize the Ukrainian war would definitely be HIMARS and ATACMS. While the effectiveness of HIMARS was proven throughout the war, the ATACMS missiles, which were recently added to the Ukrainian inventory, also demonstrated their competence to a great extent. When these missiles used by Ukraine are compared to some of Russia's weapons, we can clearly see that they have no competitors and that HIMARS and ATACMS have become the nightmare of the Russian army. In just one week, the Ukrainian army's American-made ATACMS tactical ballistic missiles managed to destroy Russian headquarters, S-300 and S-400 air defense systems, logistical support points in Luhansk, Crimea and Kherson Dnipro region. The most remarkable of these, of course, was the destruction of the S-400, Russia's most powerful air defense system, by ATACMS. The Russian military had claimed that the S-400 air defense system could easily shoot down long-range missiles and fighter jets. This claim of the Russian military was partially functional until it met the American ATACMS. 
However, the Atakum's missiles successfully destroyed the S-400s while rendering them completely useless. Atakum's strikes against the occupying Russian army in Crimea, Luhansk, and Kherson have made great gains. Over the past day, HIMARS operated by Ukrainian artillery units destroyed four more of Russia's most powerful air defense systems. Ukrainian artillery, together with SSU special forces, destroyed a command center that could have been part of the Russian S-300 or S-400 air defense system. The news was shared on social media. An SSU air reconnaissance unit detected an element of a Russian air defense system in the Polokhiv area of the Zaporizhia region. After verification, the Ukrainian HIMARS rocket system successfully hit the target detected by the special forces. According to the characteristics of the destroyed Russian object, it visually resembles the illumination radar of the S-300 system, or its further development, the 92N6E command post of the S-400 system, as well as the Soviet-era 5N63S command post. The multifunctional target illumination radar receives signals and works on air targets. Removing the command posts from the air defense system completely paralyzes it, since the command post coordinates the work of all other components, including radars and launchers. This class of system is supposed to intercept airborne targets and ballistic missiles at long range, and cover a large area in the frontline zone and around strategic facilities. Its neutralization will allow Ukrainian aviation to operate more safely. Recall that a few days ago, Ukrainian special forces destroyed the Russian 48YA6 Ka-1 podlet radar in the Belgorod region. The Russian military uses the podlet radar to monitor the airspace and detect targets at low and extremely low altitudes. It works in cooperation with the S-300 and S-400 anti-aircraft missile systems. These losses in the Russian military inventory are also confirmed by intelligence reports published by the United Kingdom. According to the report, Russia set a record by losing four S-400 air defense systems in one week. These destruction operations in the Crimea and Luhansk regions show that it's becoming increasingly difficult for the Russian Federation's air defenses to resist the modern high-precision offensive weapons of the Ukrainian armed forces. Experts report that three S-400 systems were destroyed in the Luhansk region, while the destruction of one such system in Crimea brings the number of losses to four. The latest losses show that Russia's integrated air defense system continues the fight against modern precision strike weapons and will likely increase the already significant pressure on the remaining systems and operators. At the same time, observers believe that the replacement of already destroyed systems by the invaders will still weaken Russian air defense, especially in other operational zones. What we know about attacks on strategic targets of Russia's air defense systems. On October 31st, elements of the Russian S-300 anti-aircraft missile system were hit in the area of the village of Molochna, located on the territory of temporarily occupied Crimea. On the night of October 30th, Ukrainian forces successfully hit a strategic target of the Russian occupier's air defense system in the temporarily occupied Crimea on the west coast. On October 25th, Ukrainian forces destroyed the S-400 strategic air defense system near temporarily occupied Luhansk. The Ministry of Defense of the Russian Federation admitted that two Atakums missiles attacked its positions in the Luhansk region. This is why 
half a million, 500,000 Russians are evacuating Crimea. This is a big deal. They're going to take more and more territory there all the time, and the Russians know it. However, it was established that in reality there were three missiles, two of which clearly fell on the deployment of Russian air defense. It should be added that at the end of October, Russian media reported that the Ukrainian armed forces had attacked a Russian anti-aircraft missile regiment of the air defense forces near the village of Olenivka in the west of the peninsula. On the other hand, statements by Ukrainian analysts praise Ukraine's success and shed light on the difficult situation of the Russian military. Ukrainian military analyst Petro Chernik said that the Atakums missiles performed very well and that Kiev had at least achieved its goal of destroying Russian military aviation. According to the analysts, the destruction of nine Ka-52s has already been confirmed. This is very important because the cost of such a helicopter is 16 to 20 million dollars, and only about 170 of these helicopters were produced. It has already been confirmed that more than 50 Ka-52s have been destroyed in Ukraine. This is really a tremendous achievement. Chernik said that I would like to note that the Russian military aviation makes us very nervous, especially with the Vickr anti-tank missiles on board and also with the S-8 and S-13 guided missiles. Previously, a Russian helicopter would fly from Berdyansk or Luhansk to the borderline for 15 to 20 minutes. Now a helicopter departing from Taganrog will take at least an hour and maybe more. This puts a huge burden on both the pilots and the helicopter. After all, the Russians have had problems with hardware since the times of the USSR. Ukrainian forces have given the Russians a lot of trouble with recent attacks, but it's too early to say that Atakums is the weapon that changed the course of the war. We really like historical parallels. During the U.S.-Iraq war, the U.S. used more than 600 Atakums missiles in 1.5 months. There were days when they fired from 20 to 100. It's worth noting that the Iraqi army at the time was out of proportion to the Russian army. So it's a great step that a forward has been taken. But what's needed is not a few dozen, as they say, but a few hundred, ideally a thousand. There are up to 4,000 Atakums missiles of various modifications in American ammunition depots. The analyst expressed his belief that new supplies are waiting for Ukraine. Meanwhile, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky made a statement. In his traditional speech, Zelensky said that Ukraine would not leave its citizens in the occupied territories. Zelensky said that Ukrainian defenders are ready to defeat the enemy and lead him to victory, and Western partners know what it takes. Zelensky visited Ukrainian artillery, missile, and engineering forces soldiers and congratulated them on their professional holiday. The Kiev leader honored the defenders with the state awards and thanked the commanders. Zelensky said, Now I want to say to every soldier of artillery, every soldier of our missile forces, every soldier of engineering troops. You are our support. You are the support of all defense and security forces. This is what makes everyone stable and determined. Zelensky emphasized that the units must move forward, advance on the front line every day, and add positions. The head of state spoke about the appointment of Colonel Serhii Lupanchuk. He became the new commander of the Special Operations Forces of the Armed Forces of Ukraine. According to the president, Lupanchuk is an experienced combat officer, a good commander, and a person who can add more strength to the Special Operations Forces. The commander of the Special Operations Forces, General Viktor Horenko, 
will continue to hold special posts in the military intelligence service of the Defense Ministry. Zelensky noted that he signed an important law on November 3rd. It concerns national communities. This made it possible to implement another criterion for European integration. To summarize our news feed, the on-paper capabilities of the S-400 in the field of defense and potentially offensive access denial and area denial are indeed formidable. This advanced system is effective against a range of threats, including aircraft, UAVs, and both ballistic and cruise missiles. But Ukraine's capabilities have revealed that this so-called shield of the skies is a vulnerable fortress. So the S-400 is a powerful asset, but its effectiveness in real-world scenarios depends on a variety of factors and operational considerations. Thank you for tuning in. Well, that's more good news. How much good news can you handle? <laughs> it's like Trump used to say, how much more good news can you take? How many times, how long is his lies going to hold up, going to prop up the facade in the world and that Putin does to his own people? We'll be back in a second. You are in tune to Enlightenment Radio, home of the ultimate knowledge of body, soul, and spirit, and unlimited music 24-7. and visit our website at enlightenment-radio.com. There you can journey through the mystical voyage and also view our schedule of programming. Thank you for listening. That's right. You're in tune to Enlightenment Radio. We enlighten you to the truth. We're not covering it up. We're not lying to you like Putin is, like several journalists are in America, like the uh, ABC News headlines, like the uh, politicians. Right now, they're being lied to in Congress uh, because they're trying to drum up money. This is the week they start allocating money for... They're all focused on Israel, let's put it that way. They're trying to raise money. This is the time of year that the Congress convenes to allocate funds. The president is asking for $110 billion. Now, what's he going to do with $110 billion in Israel? Nothing is going to change. It'll all end up in Iran's pocket. 
It, Obama dropped four and a half billion dollars in gold bullion on their runway. What a traitor he is. I, where do these people get off doing this? You know, Western civilization is crumbling, and these people are contributing to it. There's a cabal. They have intentions, people. And these people that have these intentions, like George Soros, is funding and undermining our elections, local elections. He's smart. He's, he's, un, he's undermining judges, district attorneys, mayors. He's, he's, in, he's intervening by shoving money in their elections. The guy is a corrupt criminal. He's a really a Nazi agitator. And he's funneling money here. Why don't they stop him? Why don't they kick him out of here? Why don't they? Jeez. <laughs> There's just too many. I, you know, I can't save the world. I can't. The world cannot be on my shoulders. But I can't understand how these people allow, and they know darn well what he's doing, that to happen. Because it is slowly chipping away. I mean, now it's quickly chipping away at our Constitution, our values. We've got streets in San Francisco full of homeless people, in Los Angeles full of homeless people, because they're, now that he's backed up these district attorneys who have no bail laws. In other words, you don't have to put up bail if you commit a crime. Is that insane? And now they want to... You know who just met with China? I know you don't know all this in the Ukraine, but you know what? I see a lot, there's a lot of listeners in the U.S. right now. You ought to know this. Governor Gavin Newsom, Emperor Newsom, is meeting, met with Xi Pong. What did they meet for? He's got aspirations to be president. That's why he's just making an end run. Yeah, Xi Pong. And... Uh, he wants to be a world leader, this uh, vampire in California. I'm from California. I know. He ruined my beautiful home, my state. I loved growing up there. It was paradise. But they started ruining it before he came along anyway. That's my rant for my, my state of California. What a sad, sad situation. I sold my house out there just in time. I see a lot of listeners in Kansas. Uh, who's got the word out in Kansas? I used to live there. I went to high school there. Hello, Kansas. <laughs> this is your host, Mystic Guide. I think you all know who I am in Kansas. Hi, Penny. I know you might be listening in Wichita. Are you getting the word out? What's going on? <laughs> anyway, one more news article. In favor of the Ukraine, we got to, they cannot say no. They got to get the word out. I'm telling you who would, who, who the congressmen, the politicians would listen to. They ought to get the mothers, the sisters, the parents, all gathered together who are missing these children, whose children have been stolen from them. Bring them to Congress and let them tell their story. That'll have them crying. Crying women, you can't turn away money. 
<laughs> You're going to handle money so fast? Please stop crying. Stop crying. <laughs> How do they sleep at night? How would you sleep at night? Your children are gone, and he, he, they're not in an orphanage. They're not being taken care of. They're not in somebody's foster home. That's not what's happening, people. They're being abused. It's child trafficking is a billion-dollar business. I'm in the Atlanta region. It's one of the biggest child trafficking areas in the country. This has got to stop. These people are culpable who are allowing it to continue to happen. Go to the Ukraine, theheartofhope.com, and look under culpable. The news organizations. Macron, Trudeau. Biden is a big one. He's sniffing girls' hair and eating ice cream cones. This has got to stop. we got to save our country. Western civilization is on the brink. If they don't do something now, and I'm not afraid of, I'm not talking about boots on the ground over there. They don't need bar boots on the ground. They got enough boots. They need our weapons. They need some money. Why pour it down that rat hole over there in Israel? That's always a rat hole. They throw rocks, they throw rocks. One side throws rocks, one side shoots missiles. Well, I've been watching them throw rocks for 50 years. Nothing's changed over there, and nothing is going to change. No amount of money, no amount of weapons are going to change the cause in Israel. They're always going to have enemies, always right next to them. And who says they're Jews anyway? That's another argument for another day. Here's one more story I have to share with you. It's positive. Welcome to The Journalist. The war between Ukraine and Russia has turned into a relentless drone war. In addition to using airstrikes to attack Russian military forces on or near the battlefield, Ukraine has carried out more than 100 strikes inside Russia and in Russian-occupied Crimea, mostly with a range of drones. Ukraine not only bombed numerous military targets, but also the Expo Center exhibition complex and the skyscraper under construction in Moscow, oil facilities in Crimea, and infrastructure in other areas such as an electrical substation. These attacks have become commonplace and have caused few casualties, but have led to the temporary closure of several airports and disruption of daily life. In addition, attacks and sabotage against Russia are increasing every day. The effects of the Ukrainian war are being felt in Russian cities. Cities near the Ukrainian border, such as Kursk, Belgorod, Krasnodar and Rostov, have long felt the heat of the war. With cross-border attacks, Russian residents are beginning to understand the horrors of the war being waged on their doorstep. In the first days of November, the cities of the Russian Federation were also shaken by attacks. The other day, Ukraine launched a drone strike on a military airfield in the Kursk region. Local residents also reported that drones flew in the direction of Kalino Airport. Messages about the attack by the Ukrainian armed forces appeared around 9.30 a.m. One of the popular Z publics in Russia reported that three drones were flying in the direction of the airport and that the air defense system was activated around 9 a.m. Russian telegram channels said that according to preliminary data, there were no casualties. 
Governor Roman Starovoid also announced the air defense works in the Kursk region. Starovoid said, Air defense is operating in the Kursk region. Please stay calm. If you find UAV debris, do not touch or approach it. Later, the Russian Defense Ministry confirmed air defense work in the Kursk region and announced a drone strike. The ministry claimed that at around 9 a.m. Moscow time, an attempt by the Kiev regime to launch attacks by two aircraft-type UAVs on objects on the territory of the Russian Federation was intercepted. The ministry said that the territory of the Kursk region was captured by regular air defense means and did not specify where the third drone, which propagandists wrote about, went. However, it was claimed that an explosion over the airport was caused by the third drone strike and that it hit one of the Russian airport runways. Violent explosions were also heard in the Russian city of Rostov-on-Don the previous day. According to residents, at least eight explosions were heard, coming from different directions. The sounds of explosions came from the Nakhchivan rostov glavny station area, while the strongest explosions took place in the city center. Russian authorities tried to reassure Russians that it was supposedly fireworks, but people immediately refuted this information in the comments. The cause of the explosion remains unclear. However, given the regular incursions of Ukrainian drones into Russian territory, the arrow is pointing to Kiev as the cause of these explosions as well. On the other hand, on the last day of October, the Russian foreign ministry said that a Ukrainian drone had crashed into a nuclear waste storage facility at the Kursk power plant, damaging its walls, and called on other governments to condemn the act of nuclear terrorism. Ukrainian must have known that its actions could cause a large-scale nuclear disaster affecting many countries, the ministry said in a statement. Russia and Ukraine, both of which operate nuclear power plants, regularly accuse each other of risking nuclear catastrophe through irresponsible attacks, and the UN nuclear watchdog, the International Atomic Energy Agency, is monitoring the situation in Ukraine particularly closely. Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Maria Zakharova said one drone loaded with explosives damaged the walls of a nuclear waste facility, while two others crashed into an administrative building complex. The Kursk plant, located in a region bordering Ukraine, said there were no casualties and radiation levels and operations were normal following the attack. Ukrainian officials did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Kiev generally refuses to confirm or deny military operations on Russian territory. In July, Russia complained that a Ukrainian drone had crashed into an apartment building in the town of Kurchatov, built on the banks of the Kursk nuclear power plant's cooling pond. In August last year, Russia's FSB security service announced increased security around nuclear facilities after Ukrainian saboteurs destroyed power lines feeding the Kursk plant, temporarily disrupting its operation. Kursk is one of the few Russian regions that has regularly suffered drone strikes throughout the war. Kursk governor had previously reported a drone attack on Kurchatov on September 1st. The Ukrainian war has symbolically returned to the land of its birth and it has proved to be a disaster for Russia militarily, economically, geopolitically and sociologically. The war has severely damaged and discredited Russia's military, disrupted the economy and profoundly altered the geopolitical picture Moscow faces in Europe. This will make it difficult, if not impossible, to achieve some degree of normalization in US-Russia relations in the short term.
On the other hand, there is a great element of fear in Russian capitals and border cities, and the fear of unknown airstrikes is spreading among all Russian citizens. The end of the war is not likely to be good for them in any scenario. People may clash with each other on the streets of Moscow. Since the beginning of the war, the Russian people have organized protests in more than 50 Russian cities, including Moscow, and thousands of Russians have risen up against the Putin regime and the system. Russian partial mobilization forced millions of Russians to emigrate. In 2022, Russia's population is expected to decrease by more than 1 million people, according to statistical reports. It is impossible to determine the exact number because thousands of people emigrate from Russia every day. The pro-war Putin continues unabated with his sanctions, overwhelming his people and forcing them to live their lives without democracy. The anti-war Russian people are sick and scared of their leaders' aggressive and brutal policies. Unfortunately, there is little they can do about it now. Over the last 10 years, but especially since February 2022, intensive surveillance has played a key role in Putin's campaign of intensified political repression. This repression prevents people from speaking openly and frankly about their thoughts and feelings about politics and life in Russia. Many people oppose the aggression against Ukraine and the repressive policy inside Russia and want to communicate this. But open challenges to the positions of the Putin regime can get ordinary people into serious trouble. Everyone in Russia knows they are under pressure. Many polls have been conducted to measure the effects of Putin's repressive regime. According to the polls, more than 60% of Russians have experienced shock, fear, horror and anxiety over Russia's actions in Ukraine. Cumulative levels of depression and fear have also increased since the start of the war. Trapped in a psychological trap for these reasons, Russians have risen up in protests. You may recall that when Putin declared mobilization, riots broke out in many places, including military recruitment points. As the war enters its second year, such protests are reaching their peak. Several groups of Russians allegedly opposed to the Kremlin and its handling of the conflict have taken up arms, claiming to have carried out high-profile operations, ranging from sabotage of infrastructure to the killing of high-profile figures. While relatively little is known about these insurgent groups complicit in activities deemed terrorist by Moscow, new insights into the goals and tactics of key insurgent organizations were gained by speaking to experts who have conducted extensive research on the groups and their militia representatives. Beyond their common opposition to Putin and his policies, the groups are ideologically diverse, ranging from far-left anarcho-communists to far-right neo-fascists. In short, the situation seems bleak for Russians. Thank you for following us. Thank you for reporting. That's the... Uh, I can't see it from here. I'll uh, list the reports. Let me see if I can find out where, who reported today. The Ukrainian... Uh, I can't see it. Anyway, here's the new single put out just the other day. It's all the talk now. The Beatles got some AI. They got Paul, and they got Ringo, and they found a tape of... Uh, John Lennon and uh, Yoko's vault. I wonder what else is in her vault. <laughs> uh, and they put together this beautiful song. I like it. Called Now and Then.
That's uh, the new one from the Beatles. I play it a lot. I like it. It is uh, not one of your positive love songs. It's like a, but it is. It all depends on how you look at it. Here's Tommy Lee Prophet. Who's singing with him? I don't know. Champion from Tommy Prophet. Yeah, that's uh, sung by Nicole Serrano, by Tommy Prophet, the producer and uh, all the musician. He is a very epic 
producer. All his albums are similar to that. And um, it's just very epic cine cinematic songs. Some of them are titled that. That's called Champion, Tommy Prophet, sung by Nicole Serrano. Well, we're about to an end here at uh, Enlightenment Radio. I hope you uh, got informed today of what's really going on in the Ukraine. There's not going to be any World War III. There's not going to be any boots on the ground to fear like George Bush did. I'm still sick of what he did to our country and Obama. And the news is important over there that they win. Ukraine. Their sovereignty, their freedom, their children, their homes. I've seen the buildings. They're horrific. They're, people are trying to get out of there all the time. Trying to get papers. Trying to get money to get out of there. But the soldiers, the men, I've seen them in the trenches. I've seen them in the, the fields. I've seen them fight, fight, fight. I don't see them sitting around like these uh, construction workers are on the highways. Five guys doing one man's job. They've got strategy. And uh, Zelensky fired, or not didn't fire, he moved a, one strategic leader in general. Since he's done that, he's been winning. This new guy is a winning, a winner. You got to hire winners. You got to surround yourself with winners. You ought to hear what's going on in this Trump trial. This female attorney of his just ripped that judge up and down, up and down for his behavior. This judge is an idiot. I don't know why he's not in jail. He doesn't know diddly squat about real estate, for one thing, but I've got to get a recording. Now that I know I have a fairly large U.S. audience also, I want to play this. Her name is Lynn something. She just ripped that judge apart. It was good to listen to. It was really good to hear somebody fight for that man. We should all be fighting for him. Geez, I don't care if you don't like him or not. He's being railroaded. Everything that's happening to him is unconstitutional. There's no constitutional law that says you can't. I know real estate. Everybody that refis a house exaggerates the price. That's just the name of the game. You start high when you sell a house. You value it higher. People get appraisers. If you, you know, if you don't believe the price of the house or the price that you're paying or the price that you're borrowing for, the bank doesn't. The bank will do their own appraisal. It's not a crime. And they're trying to make it a crime that he raised the numbers on the, on the properties. That's all he's in court for. They want to put him in jail for that. I'm sick of this country and I'm sick of what they're doing to our leaders. Well, in the meantime, this is Enlightenment Radio. This is your host, Mystic Guide. See you same time, same place tomorrow. God bless.